1: Jeremiah chapter 15. We got three years of testimonies, but I'm not going to share them. Hallelujah! There's so much been happening. Um, I'm i my wife and I, our five children, we're mind boggled what God is doing. But there's an urgency in my spirit like never before. I mean, the, the intoxication of the glory realm, of course, has always be there, marinating in His presence loving one another, loving the lost, but there's an urgency in the very bowels of my being right now. And it was birthed when I went to Israel with my wife and 30 others uh, about eight months ago. We took a tour to Israel. We decided to miss all of the uh, swamp water religious sites. We didn't want to get infected with the malaria of religion. Hallelujah. Amen. And we decided to go to the, the places where the Holy Spirit revealed himself in biblical history. And we first went to the desert. We got off the airplane, took the whole group to the desert and spent night in the desert with the camels in the Bedouin tents like Abraham, hallelujah. And then after that, we went to the Hyatt, praise God. (laughs) But you get to find people's character, what it's like when they don't have a shower after a while and all those good things. So we're in the desert and uh, getting up for early morning prayer and in these deep wadis, these ravines, and spending time with the Lord in absolute silence. And uh, we decided to track what Jesus did, coming in and getting baptized, going to the desert to be tested, and then return to Galilee in the power of the Spirit and going through that whole process. And we were really undercover Holy Ghost missionaries. We came camouflaged as a tour group, but we really came in glory to God to set plastic explosives from heaven. Hallelujah. (laughs) And so Dalit um, was, of course, in a commando unit, and she went after uh, the army to get us a special pass into the place where Jesus was baptized by John. They only let two groups in a year because it's a UN buffer zone. It's a minefield. It's a a highly sensitive uh, UN situation there. Sometimes I think the U.N. is nothing more than a united nothing. But anyway. <laughs> and so we get there, and this Israeli commando unit with all their high-tech gear has to take us in uh, through the minefield. And we get to the original site where they think Jesus was baptized by John. There's nothing there. It's just, it's, it's deep mud. You get out there, you sink into the mud up to your thighs. And an Israeli commando unit's there. Right across the bank, 50 meters away, is a Jordanian commando unit. And it's very high tension, and uh, we just went for it. Hallelujah. Being to water baptize the people. I, of course, began to feel the glory like I feel right now. But what was interesting, we came up out of the water, and the Israeli soldiers were stunned. They were staring at us. The Jordanian Muslim soldiers were stunned, staring at us. I grabbed the tour guide. He said, listen, when you guys were doing your thing there, mitzvah, when you're getting water baptized in the water, your faces were glowing like angels as you came out of the water. And we sat there and looked at one another and said, here we are, Orthodox Jews, and here's our arch enemies, the Muslims. And here are these, nozirene, these Nazarenes. This is the answer for the Middle East right here. This is it right here. And so we began to have these visitations of the glory of God. We'd go and run out the Jerusalem Hyatt at night after the tour and have the Shemaim room, which is the heaven room, and just begin to do spontaneous music in Hebrew and get out there in the glory. And the unsaved Israelis would come, the Orthodox, the rabbis. We're just having an awesome time, folks. Hallelujah. <laughs> See, what you have to understand is that it began in Jerusalem, it's going to end in Jerusalem. And there's a move of God right now among the the, uh, Palestinians and the Jewish people right now, which is really uh, very powerful. And so we began to travel throughout the land and toward the end of the tour, I won't get into the whole thing, we're walking through the Muslim quarters of the old city and uh, we're walking down and one of the guys hears Carmen playing. In the Muslim quarters, over the top of the Muslim call to prayer, we hear Carmen playing like, Carmen, what's he doing here? And so we we pull over, and it's a uh, Palestinian shopkeeper who was listening to Carmen. He's a brand-new believer. He just got saved. Hallelujah. And so we go in there, and we start talking to him. And, of course, he's under great secrecy. I can't mention his name or what type of merchant he is because of the fear of his life for the, from his family and uh, the Muslim extremists, and also the Israeli soldiers because... This young man had a checkered history of being a terrorist. And uh, he began to tell us this testimony that a German tourist came into this shop and just looked at him and says, you need to love your enemies. Jesus said, love your enemies. This guy's background, the Israeli soldiers, he was from a refugee camp, had lived in a refugee camp all his life, just full of hate. And there's, of course, atrocities on both sides, Israeli and Palestinian sides. But what really got me was that the Israeli soldiers, his father was a dissident, had beat him so bad that his father went blind. And he was filled with hate. All he wanted to do the rest of his life was to figure out how to smuggle in drugs to the country, how to break down the moral fiber of Israeli society, and how to kill Israelis. That was his whole life goal. During the Tem- Temple Mount riot, his best friend's head was blown off by Israeli troops. He was filled with hatred. So. Here comes in the good news. Hallelujah. This guy is about to end in destruction, about to end in the the fires of hell, and a German tourist comes in and says, you need to love your enemies. He could not shake this word, he told us. He eventually made some other contacts with believers, got born again, had a visitation from God. Hallelujah. And now he's one of the leaders of the underground church in Jerusalem. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And... He goes up to Israelis now and loves on them, and they cry, and, and I'm t- it's awesome, folks. And so God's being to do something. He told me that the Hamas terrorist, the, uh, the Hamas, if you know the, from the news, uh, the leading organization fighting against Israel right now, and all the horrible things they're doing, the Israelis, of course, had um, taken care of his brother. Uh, they'd put plastic explosives inside his cell phone. And of course, when he answered his phone, he was no longer answering phones anymore. And that's sad, but it's almost like eye for an eye over there, folks. His brother just got born again. The leader of the Hamas terrorists, who now is considered a martyr, his brother is on fire for God. And he told me there's 1,000, minimum 1,000 young men on fire for Jesus right now. In the Gaza Strip. Whoo! Glory to God. And so we began to, to visit with some of these guys. And the reason I share this story is because I saw a look in their eyes that I wanted. I saw a look for Jesus that I don't see very much. And so, of course, we came back home and, and uh, spent time with the family. And the Lord bespoke to me. And we usually take December off. And this is eight months ago. And the Lord said, I want you to go back to British Columbia. You have some meetings to do. I said, Lord, man, it's kind of cold up there, but I'll go. It's no problem. And so we went up there, and uh, doing meetings in, in Prince George, and uh, a Thursday night, a, a larger gentleman walked in, kind of heavy-set guy, and I looked in his eyes. He had the same look. And I did a double-take, and he came up later after the service began to talk to me, and said that he was a part of a, the uh, emergency management or provincial whatever, it's the government facility here. It's very similar to FEMA in the States, Federal Emergency Management Association. There's an earthquake, tornado, riot, war, ice storm. These guys in the Canadian government take over. And so he came forward and began to share with me. He says, Can you come to our government offices and blow the shofar? I said, Sure, what's up, Y2K? And he kind of chuckled about Y2K a little bit. He says, You just come to the offices and I'll, I'll tell you. So I went with the guys and we got to the offices and I walked in and there's people working overtime. This is two weeks before December 31st. People working overtime, maps on the wall, computers. He showed us the bomb shelter, the, all, I was like, what is this thing? He says, well, we're kind of big brother, you know. If there's an act of war or terrorism, we take over. I said, whoa. And I just said out of the top of my head, I said, you guys must be pretty concerned about Y2K. And he looked at me and he laughed. He says, Y2K would be the biggest non-event of the century. I said, so aren't you concerned that the computer chips will fail and the power grid will go out and people freeze to death up here? He goes, don't even give it a second thought. He said, Scott, the reason we called you here is because from the State Department in Washington, we have alerts out of possible terrorist activity on December 31st for the white, the uh, year 2000 celebration, either in Canada or in America. And uh, we're very concerned. And, and I'm a brand-new believer. I got born again a year ago. And I've been having dreams, I wake up crying because I, I, I see people being blown up and dying and screaming and going to hell. And he says, I I can't shake these dreams. And he says, as I'm getting this information to, to look for these terrorists, I'm over the size, my area of jurisdiction is the size of California and British Columbia. I have nowhere to look. I don't know what to do. And he says, let's pray. And so we begin to pray, folks. And and I'll just tell you, when that anointing comes, hallelujah. It's not here right now, but when it comes, you know it. Hallelujah. And this anointing comes as we begin to pray and blow the shofar. And and then it came in with the peace of God. And when you have the peace of God come in, you know you have the answer. Well, most of you probably know, three days later, they caught an Algerian terrorist just south of where we were came across the B.C. border to Washington State on the ferry, and they caught his car full of nitro enough to take out a building in in downtown Seattle. Y'all remember that story? And uh, then right after that, they uncovered all his friends and uh, associates and Algerian terrorists in Montreal, and uh, wow, wow, wow. And so I said, wow, Lord. And the Lord being his shared to me, Jeremiah chapter 15. Are you there with me? Verse 19. That this revival, the Lord is, this river that we're in right now has to get to the streets. Good morning, army of God. Hallelujah. Amen. It's time for some Rambo and Ramboette missions. Glory to God. Amen. And it says here in verse 9, therefore, thus says the Lord, if you return, then I'll restore you. Before me, you will stand. If you extract the precious from the worthless, you'll become my spokesman. They for their part must, may turn to you, but as few you must not turn to them. The literal Hebrew is you'll become my mouth. You'll become my spokesman or my mouth, patiently in Hebrew. It's the idea that God wants us to return to Him, return to our first love, and in that refiner's fire is going to come forth the pure silver and gold or the slag. And He wants us in this hour to start testing our hearts. Hallelujah. Because each of us have appointments with history right now. Hallelujah. And I began to shake when I was in that, next to that bomb shelter in that Canadian provincial office, government office. I began to shake because I knew if I had been watching a lot of satellite TV... I knew if I had been doing a lot of things that God told me not to do, legitimate pleasures of life, and because I've circumcised our lifestyle and not do those things, he put me up into a situation where it could have been that people could be dead right now. Come on, folks. You say, well, are you a legend in your own mind? No, not at all. I just love Jesus. I'm a simple Oklahoma Jew. Hallelujah. I just love Jesus, and I'm more content uh, washing the bathrooms and doing the carpet than being up here right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But I've decided to obey what God's told us to do. Glory to God. I'm going to tell you something, folks. There's something about it right now. We're the salt of the earth. We're the light right now. And we have to make some decisions. Are we going all the way with him? Or we just want life insurance policy. We just want some fire insurance to miss the flames of hell. It's not about just, you know, once saved, always saved anymore. We have to overcome some areas in our life as we go forward. Hallelujah. And I'm sensing this urgency in the bowels of my spirit. Hallelujah. For us to rise up and, and, uh, and do some things. Glory to God. And I'm trying to hold back here from some of the testimonies. are so exciting. I'll, I want you to get excited about the Word of God. And so things began to happen uh, this last spring. And we pulled up into May in Philadelphia. A good friend of ours who does the worship for Steve Hill and Awake America was in the meetings. And, and we were doing these meetings. And the Lord began to have us teach on intimacy. At the end of this teaching on intimacy, he begins to prophesy. And we'll play that prophecy in in a moment. And it was almost though when I heard this prophecy that a plumb line has dropped in the church. And it's like the scriptures had opened up in a new way to me the last three months. And I want to share that with you right now. Glory to God. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 24. Matthew 24. Jesus, the prophet of all prophets, is speaking. Hallelujah. There is a prophetic movement on planet Earth right now. Some people that call themselves prophet are really nothing more than non-profit organization. <laughs> Some of these dear brothers are just prophesying on the right hemisphere of the creative juices of the brain tissue, and things aren't happening. And so, come on, folks, Amen. We don't need to run to a meeting and get a word. We got a word right here. It's alive. It's alive, folks. Hallelujah. People ask me, how long should I read the word every day? Read it until it starts reading you. Glory to God. Matthew 24. In verse 2, Jesus the prophet is speaking about the apocalyptic grand finale. And we are in Jerusalem. We are with the Orthodox Jews. We went and sat down and talked with them. They are right now trying to reconstruct the third temple. I'm not interested in talking about the third temple. I'm not interested in talking about all these things that we think about and trying to find out what God's going to do in this last hour. What I'm interested about is how to overcome. Hallelujah. Amen. And the last time we were here was on the heels of coming in and blowing the shofar at the false messiah's headquarters. Of course, we have our book back there and all those testimonies are are documented. And um, um, there's a whole, the last four years, they've been trying to raise this false messiah from the dead. And we just got the report, it's been confirmed now, hallelujah, that the the successor to this large Orthodox Jewish organization, the successor, they call him Chacham, a wise man, has just stood, stood up and said... Jesus Christ is the Messiah. Hallelujah! Whoa, whoa! <laughs> I'm telling you, folks, it's the beginning. I'm telling you, you can feel it. You can feel the plates, the tectonic plates in God's economy beginning to rub. You can feel something's happening. Hallelujah. And Dully's sister works with the Christian Embassy in Jerusalem, and sure enough, man, there is a move right now. There's a move of rabbis and orthodox getting born again right now. Hallelujah. And they're helping to provide for the foods, because when they get out of that lifestyle, they don't have any more homes, you know, they don't don't basically have clothing, They're, they're rejected, and so they're in there helping them, trying to take care of them. Glory to God, it's happening, folks. Oh! And so when I came back from the land... I wasn't so much excited what was happening in Israel. I was more excited what God was saying inside of here. Hallelujah. And this is what Jesus said. Verse 2, he answered and said to them, do not see these things. Truly I say to you, not one stone here should be left upon another, should not be torn down. So he's breaking down their paradigm. I am not going to revisit these beautiful temple. I'm doing something new. This is going to be torn down. And verse 3, and he was sitting on the Mount of Olives. The disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us when will these things be? What will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? Achari yamim in Hebrew it means, what is the end? Zechariah, Malachi, Isaiah, Ezekiel, what they prophesied about. When is this apocalyptic grand finale going to happen? And Jesus turns in a different direction. He turns it to them. Hallelujah. Verse 4, he says, And Jesus answered and said, See to it that no one... Misleads you. The original Greek is, see to it that no one leads you into error. It's the imperative here, it's the command, it's very strong. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Messiah, and will mislead many. We're seeing that happen even now. You'll be hearing of wars and rumors of wars. See that your heart, you're not frightened, but these things must take place. But the apocalyptic grand finale of my glory coming on planet earth, oh, hallelujah, signs in heaven, is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation, or ethnos against ethnic group, kingdom against kingdom, and in various places there shall be famines and earthquakes. All these things are merely the beginning of the birth pangs. They'll deliver you up to tribulation and kill you. You'll be hated by all nations on account of my name. At that time, many will fall away. I want you to highlight that. Many will fall away. And deliver one another and hate one another. So what we're going to see before these things begin to happen, we're going to see a lot of intense hatred come up within the church toward one another. Because God is separating the wheat from the chaff right now. Smile, folks. This is going to be a good message. Hallelujah. You're going to enjoy it. Hallelujah. And verse 11, and many false prophets will arise and mislead many. It is happening right now. Peter says, the last words Peter says before he, he leaves planet Earth, who Jesus said, I've given you the revelation, upon this revelation, I'm going to build my church. He says, he says, Beware of unprincipled men, lest you fall from your own steadfastness, but grow in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Meaning, in the last days, there's going to be men that, and women that have an anointing, that have a real prophetic gifting or apostolic gifting, but because they won't listen to teach it, they're not teachability, they'll begin to turn the truth into a myth. There will begin to be a falling away that these good prophets will become false prophets because they're good at one time. It's happening now, folks. I have some minister friends that have in this revival. Five couples I know of that are on fire for God right now filing for divorce. And I said, my wife and I said, Becky, what's happening here? We know these people. What's going on? I have two close friends that are in ministry. That right now, they both have told me the same thing. They say, we do not believe there is a hell. We believe that when people die, everybody's going to heaven. We believe there is no rapture of the church, etc., etc., etc. And where did people get off like this? You know what I'm saying? I mean, I want to ask myself that question. And so Jesus says, in the last days, there will be false prophets will arise, mislead many. The Greek word, same thing, will lead into error. And because lawlessness is increased, most people's love will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be delivered or saved. Not only being born again, but will be delivered from this world system, this age. Verse 14, And this good news of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world for a witness to all the nations, and then the end shall come. I think we're so busy trying to do verse 14 that we're missing verse 12. We're so busy trying to reach the nations, which is great, But verse 12, it says, because iniquity or lawlessness is increased, most people's love will grow cold. The Greek word for love is agape. It's not eros, it's not phileo, it's agape. That in the last days, because there's this spirit of error in operation, even before the beginnings of the tribulation, even before the beginnings of the birth pains, there's coming a falling away, and the falling away begins with people starting getting out of the agape walk. Lawlessness here. So in the Hebrew, it's the Hebrew concept of which means lawless. I mean, it's self-willed transgression. Paul says in the last days, people become lovers of self. You know, when people know what is do is what is right, and they say, "No, I just don't want to do it," and they walk away. That is dangerous thin ice, right there, folks. Come on, folks, smile. Hallelujah. Come on. I come here with the love of God this morning. I love you guys. Turn with me to Second Thessalonians chapter 2. And so the glory's coming. We're all enjoying ourselves. The, the joy is always there. But there's this urgency in my spirit that has crept up the last eight months and really been tremendously polarized in my spirit right now that this revival is going into holiness and the fear of the Lord. Because we needed the joy to endure the cross. We'll never lose the joy, folks, but it's more about than just having a good time. Amen? Which I enjoy doing, as you know. First, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 2, Paul is prophesying by the Holy Spirit here and says, I'm reading from the New American Standard, that you may not be quickly shaken from your composure or be disturbed either by spirit or by spirit Or a message or a letter as if from us to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. Let no one in any way deceive you, for it will not come unless the apostasy comes first. And the man of lawlessness or iniquity is revealed, the son of destruction. Just to let you know that www, you know the internet addresses, www in Hebrew, letters or numbers, is 666. 666. So we'll use the, the network of the internet, hallelujah, to get the gospel out, but it's one of those Roman road systems that bring in the, the man of lawlessness in the last hour. Come on. And it says here, verse 3, unless the apostasy comes first. And I, for, I don't know why, but maybe for years I put this off into the tribulation period or, you know, whatever. Maybe I read too many of those fiction Christian books about the end times or whatever. <laughs> I don't know, you know, maybe I read too many chick tracks when I was first got born again. You know, <laughs> but I never really highlighted these things. I never, I never really read this chapter very much. I just put it off in you know an end time scenario. But it says here the apostasy will come first, which is the same word used in Matthew twenty four of the falling away. That this lawless one cannot come forward unless there is a falling away first. Verse four: Who opposes and exalts himself above every so-called god or object of worship. So that he takes his seat in the temple of God, displaying himself as being God. Do not remember that while I was still with you, I was telling you these things. And you know what restrains him now. Hallelujah. So that in his time he may be revealed. For the mystery of lawlessness or the mystery of iniquity is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. What Paul is saying here in the, in the, 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 the pronouns in Greek is he's saying this. This lawless one, this man of iniquity, this anti-anointed one cannot come to full power because of the restraining force in the earth. And that restraining force is the body of Christ and the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Amen. For greater is he who is in us than he who is in this world. 1 John 4. Amen. amen. Glory to God. Amen. Come on, folks. Hallelujah. So there's a restraining force in the earth through us, the church. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Enforcing Jesus' victory. Amen? However, there's a mystery of lawlessness. Maybe we'll touch on it a little bit more. But there's like five mysteries Paul talks about in the epistles. The mystery of godliness, the mystery of faith, the mystery of Christ in the church, husband and wife, and the mystery of lawlessness or the mystery of iniquity. And so it goes on and says here, Verse 8, Then that lawless one will be revealed whom the Lord will slay with the breath of his mouth and bring to an end by the appearance of his coming. That's the glory, folks. Hallelujah. That one whose coming is in accord with the activity of Satan and all power and signs and false wonders. I believe that's happening full time, 24-7 in our culture right now. The Lord had us, uh, I don't know if, boy, I wasn't even hearing that happened. Uh, I was in, in Vancouver and the Lord had us blow the shofar at the X-Files. Hallelujah. And uh, three days later, the X-Files disintegrated. One of the actors got born again, came in and and gave his last paycheck from the X-Files, gave half to the church, gave it half to our ministry. Glory to God. took us three days to get the devils out of this guy. That's how possessed he was. And so we were there in downtown Vancouver in this empty parking lot and blew the shofar. and, And of course, that whole thing disintegrated, went back to L.A. He gets born again later, comes to our services and tells me, Brother Scott, don't stop what you're preaching. I said, why? He said, I was on the set of The X-Files. At different scenes, the the lighting was just right, and we needed to get our cues up, and the cue cards, and everything was ready. And all the multiple people around, like busy bees on this set. And one of the actors could not get his part right. He kept on fumbling around. and couldn't get it right. He says, I sat there and saw this actor stop, and and the director's all upset, and starts calling on a demon spirit by name. And this demon spirit came in and inhabited this guy. And he says there was like this, I understand it now, but then I didn't understand it. It was like this anti-laughter. Everybody of a mocking laughter hit the crew. And the rest of the day, we filmed with this supernatural flow, he calls it. See, the enemy is coming as counterfeit, And he's coming camouflaged behind the term called science fiction. Science fiction is the enemy's camouflaged attempt to get our culture looking into E.T. or alien spirits or UFOs and all these things. It's not going to be UFOs coming on earth. It's going to be the false prophet, the Antichrist, displaying signs and wonders. Folks, let me tell you something. He's been prepping our generation for this. And so you don't need to be watching. There's nothing good on cable, folks, or satellite. I mean, come on, get your weather channel and then get out. Hallelujah. There is a concerted effort to pipeline sorcery into the homes of our society. And since my wife and I have cut this off, we're seeing the dead raised now. We're seeing incredible visitations. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I love it. Hallelujah. We were in, i just thinking right now, we were in Calgary, and, and there was a pornographic video store across the street from the, the church. Blew the shofar just in passing. We just said, let's get rid of this thing. We blew the shofar. Next week, the place goes out of business. Hallelujah. It's an empty shell right now, of the building. Hallelujah. It's happening over and over and over. Why? Because the Lord says, separate the precious from the worthless dig in deep, hallelujah, and find out what is truth, what is falsehood in this hour. Glory to God. Oh, hallelujah! So if you have a problem with cable TV, I encourage you to probably do what this guy in Vancouver did. Just cut the cord, hallelujah. I will tell you that you will go with, with, through withdrawal symptoms. You'll come back and, you know, you're a little bored from work, you're tired, you know, where's honey, where's that controller? Where's that controller, honey? Take the batteries out, Throw it to the Labrador. Hallelujah. Just do some TV fasting for a while. You watch what happens in your spirit, man. Hallelujah. Watch the finances start kicking in. Hallelujah. Oh! God wants us to be blameless, pure, and holy, like a chaste virgin to Christ. Hallelujah. To be innocent in terms of evil. And there is, I'm telling you, I I, I sense it out there. Anyway, verse 9 whose coming is in accord with the activity of Satan with all power and signs and false wonders and with all the deception of wickedness for those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth to be saved, the agape of the truth to be saved. For this reason, not the devil, but God will send upon them a deluding influence. They may believe what is false. And so i decided to look that up. And sure enough, it doesn't say the devil's going to send it. It says God is going to send an energeia of error, a superhuman energy of error upon the earth in the last days. This energeia is a superhuman force. In the Greek, humans, mere mortals, cannot resist it. The deluding influence here is the same word Jesus used of the spirit of error. Now, think about this now. God is good, amen? Amen. Come on, folks, He's good, amen? Amen. But when God had to separate Saul from David, what happened? A spirit of error came upon Saul. Think about it. Could it be? Because our generation is this terminal generation to help usher in the return of Jesus. That God, in His mercy and sovereignty, is releasing a deluding spirit of error upon the church first to separate the lukewarm from the hot. And it's all based on being a lover of the truth or not. Think about it. Could it be that God is beginning to initiate a falling away? Even though He doesn't want it to happen, but he done it with Israel, what what says He won't do it with the church? Isaiah 6, the year King Uzziah died there's a change in the, in the leadership, the anointed kingship of the nation of Israel, Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up and his train filled the temple. When there is a change in the economy of God, there comes more revelations of the glory realm. Hallelujah. And so he saw the Lord high and lifted up. Isaiah says, here am I, send me. What did the Lord say? I'm not sending you to a miracle ministry. I'm sending you to cause people not to be able to see or hear. So they won't return and be healed. Think about it. Matthew thirteen thirteen, Jesus said, I preach in parables that I may fulfill the prophecy of Isaiah to keep certain people of the kingdom out and bring in those that are like children in heart. It says, A spirit, a stupor has fallen upon the nation of Israel. I'm acutely aware of that, being raised in a synagogue. That there is Jewish people that do more praying and fasting than most of us ever do, and they're at that western wall even today praying, and there's a blindness on their mind. And so I'm just throwing these things out to you for us to consider some things right now that I believe in the economy of God, some, a plumb line is dropping in the church right now. And I, I, I don't want to see people fall away. But God knows what's in men's hearts. Amen? And God is allowing people, it says here, that take pleasure in wickedness and don't love the truth. Meaning, if we don't want to be deceived in this hour, because you can be a hearer of the word and not a doer and yourself deceived it says in James 1. Could it be that God wants us to be so brutally honest with ourselves, with one another, and with him? That if we live one lifestyle here and a second lifestyle out there, we are in thin ice and could fall under a spirit of delusion. In order, verse 12, that all may be judged, do not believe the truth, but took pleasure in wickedness. But we should always give thanks to you To God for you, beloved of the Lord, because God has chosen you from the beginning for a salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and faith and truth. And it was for this God called you through our gospel that you may gain the glory. Oh, hallelujah! The glory. Notice his, his name is Holy Spirit. We have obtained a salvation for sanctification. Holiness in Hebrew is kadosh. It means to be separate. What caused the utensils that cut the showbread in the tabernacle to be kadosh, holy, compared to a Sister Berkowitz's tent and her knife? The only difference was one was for common usage, one was separated for God's usage. And we are, folks, we are separated to be unto God. Hallelujah. And the whole process of hearing His voice is for sanctification. Woo. Look at Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 14. I just feel the Holy Ghost here. I feel you guys pulling the word out this morning. Verse Chapter 3 and verse 15 of 1 Timothy. In this case, I'm delayed. I write that you may know how a one ought to conduct himself in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and support of the truth. The only truth in our society is what's in this house. And if we're living a double standard and not obeying the truth and living the, and not walking the truth, folks, I'm telling you, where's the, where's the foundation for the glory to come? There's no engineering to hold up the heavy weight of God that's coming down. The weighty presence of His, of his glory that's coming, it's going to shake heaven and earth and cause the wealth of the nations to come into this latter house. Hallelujah. So God is sending us right now through the wind tunnel of testing to see if we can hold up under this G-force. Woo, hallelujah. <laughs> he wants to expose stress fractures in our fuselage right now so we won't break up in flight. Yeah. Smile, folks, hallelujah. <laughs> this river, hallelujah, that we're all been dancing in is also the same river testing the very foundations of our house yeah, right. sure. to see if it's on sand or rock. Yeah. And so we're the pillar. You're going to follow it at Wall Street. You're going to find it out there in the business community. People have become seared in their conscience. Concerned, They don't even know what a lie is anymore. We have a whole culture in North America that doesn't have the Ten Commandments. It goes on and says here in chapter 4 and verse 1, "...but the Spirit explicitly, clearly says in the latter times, some will fall away from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons." By means of the hypocrisy of liars seared in their own consciousness with a branding iron. You know what happens if you keep on telling a lie and believing a lie and living the lie? Your conscience will be seared where there is no more nerve endings in in the scar tissue. And you're insensitive to hot and cold. Amen. As I'm preaching to you, I'm preaching to myself, I want to be honest and truthful in every area. If I have out of my heart to somebody, I want to go search them out and speak to them, and tell them why I, I was offended. Amen. I'm being faithful of every penny for IRS. Hallelujah! Come on, folks. Oh, Second Timothy chapter four and verse two. Preach the word. Be ready in season out of season reprove rebuke and exhort with great patience and instruction for the time will come i believe it's here when they'll not endure sound doctrine but wanting to have their ears tickled they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance with their own desires and will turn their ears from the truth and turn aside to myths notice here the word of god is for correction rebuke, and then exhortation. The word exhortation is where we get the word paraclete, or comforter, who's the Holy Spirit. So let's look at this. Two-thirds of God's God's Word is for correction, one-third is for comfort. Think about it. Two-thirds is for rebuke and correction, one-third is for comfort. And the Holy Spirit began to deal with me two months ago, He said, son, I want you to go look at your Christian video library, your cassette tapes, um, all the things that you have that you feed upon, the books, even your CD music. And he said to me, he says, how much of that there is for correction? I said, 99.9, I guess, is for edification, really. He says, unless you have a word that gets into you and rubs you the wrong way, and put you in the refiner's fire, you could go off into a myth away from the truth. Come on, folks. Hallelujah. Smile. Hallelujah. It's good to get a somebody or some lady, brother or sister, and they get their bony finger in your face and say, you need to repent, brother. I love you, but you need to pull the slack out. Amen? Come on. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Iron shepherds iron. But the problem in our culture is, well, I don't like the way that guy's preaching up there. I'm going to go to the next church. Yeah. And all these cruisimatics, never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Do That's right. That's right. you understand what I'm saying? There's a heightened spirit of lawlessness in the earth right now. It's being released. Lawlessness. People have become a law to themselves. Well, if you have a prophetic word and, you know, it needs to be judged. Amen? Hallelujah. In this hour, I don't look at gifting anymore. We've been around some of the greatest ministers. Thank God for these ministers. and their input into our life. But folks, if they live a double lifestyle behind standard, I can't be quiet anymore. And we have people that don't like us. But I I don't care anymore. I don't care what people think. I don't care. What does he think? That's what I want to know. Hallelujah. Paul says to the Galatians, if I become your enemy because I tell you the truth, you know why the people in, uh, got so mad at Jesus? Turn with me to Luke 4. Luke chapter 4. Of course, Jesus preaches in Isaiah 61, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, verse 18. At verse 22, in his home synagogue, they're all speaking well of him, wondering at the gracious words falling from his lips. And they were saying, is this not Joseph's son? Words of popularity right there, folks. He has favor. And he turns around and hits him between the eyes. He says, no doubt you'll quote this proverb to me. Physician, heal yourself. Whatever we heard was done at Capernaum, do in your hometown as well. Truly I say to you, no prophet is welcome in his hometown. But I say to you in truth, there are many widows in the days of Elijah when the sky was shut up for three years and six months and when a great famine came over all the land. And yet Elijah was sent to none of them but only to Zarephath in the land of Sidon to a woman who was a widow. And there was many lepers in Israel at the time of Elisha the prophet and none of them were cleansed but only Naaman the Syrian. And all in the synagogue were filled with rage as they heard these things and rose up and tried to throw them off the, the brow of the hill where Dolly used to live as a girl right there in Nazareth. What caused these people saying, This is Joseph's son? Look at him. Don't you remember when Mary and Joseph came back and he was in the temple and all the teachers of the law were amazed at the wisdom of this young man? This is Joseph's son. Eventually. Oh, <laughs> you know the story is rumored because when you've got 10 Jewish people, you have 11 opinions. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs> Of the angels that appeared to Mary. And the dream and how they went down to Egypt. Come on, folks. They know about this stuff. And Jesus turns around and goes after the truth. What caused him to love him so much and ready to throw him off the the hill? A few sentences later. You know what it was? The truth. I'll tell you why. Because when you speak the truth, people don't like it. It says, verse 25, there are many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah, when a great famine, yet Elijah was sent to none of them but to Zarephath, the land of Sidon. To a woman who was a widow. There was all these widows among God's people, but the people have backslidden into such spiritual adultery that Elijah was only sent to one widow. And guess who she was? She was not even Jewish. She was from the very home city of Jezebel. Think about it. The arch enemies of Israel. That's the only one that God provided for. Think about it. Next one. Verse 27. There was many lepers in Israel at the time of Elisha, the prophet, but none of them were cleansed but Naaman the Syrian. Who was Naaman the Syrian? He was the, he was the Operation Schwarzkopf director, the military commander of the Armenian empire that came in and decimated and holocausted Samaria, the Jewish capital. He's saying, no one got so upset. They were so self-righteous. He says, wait a minute here. The only one Elijah and Elisha was sent to was the very ones that were your very enemies. Meaning in the economy of God, that people, people had entered into a place of such spiritual rebellion that God says, okay, I need to bring down Nebuchadnezzar and Babylon and the Armenians, destroy the two capitals, holocaust them. Think about it to burn the spiritual adultery out of my people. Of course, God came back later. You understand what I'm saying, folks? You understand the broad sweeps of history? The only one that got healed in Elisha's time was the very guy that was going to kill the Jewish people. God healed him so he could fulfill his ministry. I don't understand it all. But if you look at the broad strokes of history, you'll understand that God's judgments are merciful. No wonder they got so mad. Because they told him the truth. It goes on. There's so much more. I I kind of need to streamline it. Compress the file. Hallelujah. There's so much here, folks. Glory to God. What happened when the glory came in Acts chapter 5? The glory's coming, folks. When the glory fell, two people had a real estate deal, husband and wife. They didn't tell the truth. What happened? You see, folks? He's the Spirit. Truth. I don't look at gifting anymore. I don't care how great the meetings are. I don't care how wonderful I even bless and receive from a ministry gift. I want to know what their character is like. Come on, folks. Hallelujah. Let me just kind of sail off for a little bit here. Just kind of think about it. What what area in your life that you're not being honest about? Whether in business, I'm about little foxes now, not, not the big things, the little foxes. Maybe spending too much time on the internet, places you shouldn't be going to. Perhaps you're in rebellion to your parents. Perhaps you just have ought towards somebody and you just need to vent it and get it off and go talk to them. Amen? We have to be lovers of the truth in this hour so I began to understand this process that's happening right now and I said Lord how do I get out of it I want to make sure I, make it, I run this race and I finish it I began to study of Revelation chapter 2, turn with me to Revelation 2 we see that the same word falling away is used the apostasy and how we can recover ourselves from what's happening in this hour Sure, love you all. Revelation 2 and verse 1 to the angel in the church at Ephesus. Let me just let you know about Ephesus real quick. Ephesus, there was no correction in the, in the epistle to Ephesus. They didn't have wild problems like the group at Corinth did or Galatia. These folks were pretty solid, okay? They burned all their witchcraft items, had a great bonfire. They loved Paul. Uh, the church at Ephesus was really a regional headquarters, apostolic regional. It had moved from Jerusalem. To Antioch, now to Ephesus. Ephesus was a port city, very wealthy city, had a great Christian community. And Jesus is the first one he talks to in Revelation 2 and verse 1. To the angel of the church in Ephesus, think about it, there's an angel over this church right now. There's a lampstand over this church, folks. The one who holds the seven stars in his right hand, the one who walks among the seven golden lampstands, says this, I know your deeds. I love the amplified on this one. I know your industry. I know your industry, your toil, your perseverance. You cannot endure evil men. You put the test, those who call themselves apostles, and they are not. You found them to be false. You have perseverance and endured for my namesake and not grown weary. Let's back up. Let's, let's dissect this real quick. These are folks on fire for God. Some of the deepest revelation outside Romans is found in Ephesians. These people, he says, I know your industry. I know your Christian music industry. I know your book publishing arm. I know all the stuff that you're doing to reach this region. That you have such discernment that you're even able to pick out what is a true and a false apostle. It takes some spiritual maturity, folks. Amen? And three, verse three, you have such perseverance in the midst of severe persecutions. Watch the movie Ben Hur. You'll understand what I'm talking about the persecutions where your family could be killed, taken off into slavery, ruthless Roman Empire, you could become lion food the next day. In the face of all this, they had a great discernment for the truth between true and false apostles. They had a great perseverance to the point of even death. Yet Jesus says, verse 4, I have this against you, you've left your first love. You've left your first agape. Remember, therefore, from where you have apostatized, fallen, the falling away. And I saw it. The falling away doesn't happen overnight. It's a process of falling from your first romantic encounter with the one who loves you. The first love. Repent and do the deeds you did at first or else I'm coming to you and remove the lampstand of its place unless you repent. Wow. Could it be there be anti-revival before there's full-blown revival? Could it be that God's coming into every church right now? Come on. And so I begin to understand what is this first love? Remember this first love so I won't fall away. Revelation 3 says the same thing in verse 15. I know your deeds. You're neither hot nor cold. I would that you're cold or hot. Because you're lukewarm, I'll vomit you out of my mouth. The word there for hot is the same Greek word for the fire burning in the bones of of Jeremiah. Like fire shut up in my bones. It's the same word used in the Septuagint of the burning bush. Meaning we have to have a burning bush encounter, love for him. Or it's cold. No, no middle ground anymore. Turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 2 as we start to wind up here. Woo! I just feel like the word of the Lord is going like a sword right now. Dividing asunder the thoughts and intents of our hearts. As the Lord begins to convict you, just deal with it. Amen. Don't wait for the altar call. Every area, brothers and sisters. Jeremiah 2 And verse 1, now the word of the Lord came to me saying, go and proclaim in the ears of Jerusalem, thus says the Lord, I remember concerning the devotion of your youth, the love of your betrothals. You're following after me in the wilderness. This is incredible. God come through a Jeremiah, a young man comes to the temple complex where they have the glory of God. They have everything's going. But the people are honoring God with their lips so their heart is far from him. And he sends a young man to come in. This young man begins to prophesy that God, all he remembers is not all that you've done. What I remember is the time that you and I entered into marriage covenant at the the foot of Mount Sinai. That's what I look at, my people. I look at the wedding album of you and I when we entered into covenant together. Glory to God. Everything in the Old Testament coming up into the New Testament, the glory of God cannot be dissected away from the wedding event. The Hebrew word for kavod is related very closely to the marriage. It began with marriage in in the garden. It's going to end with marriage in Revelation. Amen? That's the great ministry Paul's trying to show out is the mystery of Christ and the church, which is husband and wife. That's why the enemy's sinning centering in after marriages right now. He wants to break that window of what the glory realm is going to look like between Jesus and the church. Oh, hallelujah! We, we just, we, the Lord spoke to us to move. I was in Bulgaria and um, said, Lord, I want to sell the house on a birthday. Hallelujah. A lady came to our house and says, I'm going to give you $12,000 more for your house. Can you get out on July 14th? I said, that's my birthday. Sure, why not? Hallelujah. We got back from Bulgaria, then France, and had four days to pack the house, sold it, put our stuff up in Atlanta in storage, you know, we're on the road now, and Dalit's throwing more, right now, throwing more kerosene on the fire down in Chicago, hallelujah. <laughs> but we went through all of our stuff in the attic, and I started pulling out old love letters that Dalit and I had written to each other. Folks, we be, I mean, read as a... I remember those days where, you know, in the wedding preparation, Dolly would call up and, at her lunch break and say, Honey, you need to go and check on the, the flowers, you know, for the wedding and call your parents, make sure they have their tickets for the wedding. And I'd get home from work and I'd listen to that tape recorder and I'd hear her voice and go, Oh, praise God. i rewind it again. Let me hear her go. <laughs> i start to parse every verb there. Oh, she really loves me. Oh, let me hear that again. Oh, Come on, folks. Hallelujah my whole mindset was when does she get off work so I can just see her for five minutes before we have to go to church. <laughs> Think about it. The first love. Amen? Oh! For your whole mind, everything is consumed by that other person. Come on, smile. <laughs> the love of your betrothals. You're following after me in the wilderness. Hebrew word for "follow is halak. Hollek,. It actually is from the, the word where we get halakah, which is the Jewish order of lifestyle, where you get up in the morning, you put on to fill in a certain way, you eat a certain thing. This is what you do in every phase of your life. Your whole life is ordered how you should walk. That's the word here. God says, "I remember when you came up out of Egypt, and you had the wealth of an entire fallen empire. And I had to open up the sons of Korah, get them out of the way. And you and I, we entered into covenant at the foot of my glory. That's what I remember. And that's what Jesus remembers. Is those betrothal, the incense of your heart going up to him. Hallelujah. That's what he wants. Turn with me to James chapter 4. Here we go, folks. I feel His presence starting to come in right now and love to Jesus. The word, Jewish people are married in a chuppah, it's a canopy. The only place that's used in the Old Testament is Isaiah chapter 4, speaking of the glory of God canoping over the church in the last days. So when the glory comes in manifestation, it's always connected with the wedding event. Why did Jesus turn the water to wine? Number one, to show forth this glory, and number two, what? Keep the wedding going. What's the parable of the five wise, five foolish virgins? It's all about the marriage. What's the parable about going to the highways and byways? It's all about the wedding that the father's presented for his son, and the people aren't coming. So he said, Go out there and get It's a key event in Israelite history, his weddings. We're here in North America, it's a, you know, a dime or a dozen, you know. But there, the whole culture, everything moved around the wedding event. That's why Joseph was so highly alerted to try to put away Mary because he didn't want to shame him and his whole family because the wedding was such a key event in Israelite history. Oh! And it's just a type of shadow of Jesus in the church. James chapter 4, verse 4. You adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility towards God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Do you think the scripture speaks to no purpose? He jealously desires the spirit he's made to dwell in us. <laughs> we have within our, these earthly clay tabernacles a deposit of the Holy Spirit. It's the dowry of the future wedding. And that presence, that the spirit of truth that has come, God jealously desires us the same way the bridegroom desires his bride. That's the fire of his presence right now. That's the fire we're feeling. God's a consuming fire. Whew, hallelujah. He wants all of us. You're going to sense his fire, maybe even now. It's a refiner's fire. Yield to it. Amen. Let it burn up the dross, little areas, big areas, whatever it be. I haven't talked to anybody. Folks, I I don't even hardly, a lot of people I don't even know here. I don't know what's going on with you. I'm just trying to obey God right now. Hallelujah. So take your feet off the brakes, okay? I don't want to smell brake pads right now. (laughs) Kick off the burn sea brake. Hallelujah. Let's go for it, man. Let's fathom the depths of who he is, how much he loves us. Oh, I saw it in the eyes of the former terrorist. I saw it in the eyes of the emergency management director over B.C. I saw it in their eyes, the first love. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Verse 6, he gives greater grace. Therefore, it says, God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit, therefore, to this jealous spirit of God. Resist the devil, and he'll tuck tell, and run. Oh, hallelujah. hallelujah. That's the context right there. Submit to the jealousy. This first love he has for us. And the devil, man, he won't be around for kilometers. Corinthians, I'll just skip a few few more then we're gonna move into the prophecy tape. Oh, hallelujah. Paul says, when he's defending his apostleship in chapter 11 of 2 Corinthians, Paul's having to talk about in the same chapter, angels of light, ministers of righteousness that really are messengers of Satan. Brothers and sisters, you're going to find out in these last hour what the two apostles are. Thessalonians chapter 1 says, we were gentle among you as a lamb is gentle. A a nurse is gentle among the children. We didn't come in with a pretense of greed. What I've noticed, and you mentioned last night in, in the offering, Pastor, that when people... Are poor, the, the poor man answers with supplication, but the rich man answers roughly. Then, when people start to get rich, then they start getting an attitude sometimes. Right. And you'll notice that. You'll begin to notice if you're around ministers and they start having this rough, sandboardy, it's just a roughness to them. Something's going on inside, folks. Yeah. It's either about money, they're upset about something, they're living a double standard. You can, I see it, I see it in like never before as we travel. Come on. There's got to be that of that brotherhood, that love. Because when you're in the first love, man, you just melt toward your brothers and sisters the same way. You love to practice the same way that he does. You know what I'm saying? You're going to see it in the hour. And so he's talking about these false apostles and, and deceitful workers and even Satan coming as an angel of light. And before that, he says in, 11, in verse 2, I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy. I betrothed you to one husband, to Messiah, that I might present you as a pure virgin. I'm afraid, lest as a serpent deceived you by his craftiness, your mind should be led astray for simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. Hallelujah. We're going to move into, get that tape cued up there, brother.
2: hear the word of the Lord even in this hour and in this time have I come and this is what the spirit of the Lord said to those who would hear my word as water that is poured upon all cannot mix So there comes a separation. Hear the word of the Lord to the church. So shall I bring a separation of those who are passionate for me and those who are not. No longer, saith the Lord, will you not be able to tell those who are red hot from those who are cold. For I shall draw a distinction in my house. And my passion would terrify you, saith the Lord. It would be a holy terror upon you, for it would drive you into things that you know not of and you have not seen. My passion, saith the Lord, would drive you to do things that you have never thought you will ever be able to do. But yea, you shall find freedom that you never have known before, saith the Lord. For I shall throw off the restraints my people I said the Lord would draw the line and I will call those to step over the line those who would say I am ready to give everything even my life for this king and I shall recapture the earth said the Lord and I will send forth my glory through it but I will not do it by those who do not know me I would say unto my people No longer will I have you call me Lord and do not obey me. For the Spirit of the Lord says to those who would hear the voice of the Lord, if you would even now call out to me, will I not rescue you from lukewarmness? Will I not break off the shackles that have held you? When you said, Lord, forgive me, and yet you return back to the very thing that held you in bondage. But I saith the Lord, no more shall that day be to my people. No more, no more, no more will you repent and return back to the bondage. For I say I will have those that are red hot for me. And I will make you hot. You cannot do it, saith the Lord. I will despise your programs. And I will turn away from the very things that you do with your own hand. But if you heed my voice and listen to my command, I will blow my breath upon those things that my spirit is leading you to do. And you will soar with me. For the Spirit of the Lord says the countdown has begun. Do you not know and have you not understood that I am calling for a people to make them ready, 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 ready for my return, ready? (coughs) And have you not understood that I am the Lord thy God and I sat upon the circle of the earth and I do as I please? For the hour belongs to me, saith the Lord. This hour is mine. And what I'm about to do, saith the Lord, will cause many to run away from me. But I will pursue them with a holy passion. But if you continue to run, and you do not pursue me, as I will pursue you, And I would say to you choose whom you will serve it will be your choice but for those who delight in me I shall bring you to the mountain of God and you shall see my glory And not only shall you see my glory, but my glory shall be seen upon you. And men will say, tell me about this God. Tell me about the Lord, for I see his glory upon you. No more will you call upon me and I will not answer. But I say there should be a separation. You decide. You decide. For I knock. I knock. I knock. Church, will you hear me? I knock. Am I not a terrible God to be feared and honored? I knock. I knock. Who will hear? Who will obey? For know you not that I said, even when I was on the earth, that I must be about my father's business. And I say unto you tonight, I am about my father's business. This is not a game. And you're running out of time. But he that hear my voice and heed my command. I shall make you a pillow in my temple and you shall see my glory and the fragrance of my glory will rest on you. It will be as different as night and day those who know me Those who know of me, will you know me? How will you respond?
3: Some of you here just said the prayer of salvation, but you don't live for him at all, and you don't obey what he says to you. Jesus said, why do you say Lord to me, and you do not do what I say? And at that day, he would say to you, I never knew you depart from me. You willfully transgressed against me. Just come before Him and run. Because where the Spirit of the Lord is. For Jesus is your Lord and not just your Savior. There is liberty. There is liberty from sin. There is liberty from cigarettes. There is liberty from wine and drinking. There is liberty from sickness. There is liberty from disease. There is liberty from bondage. There is liberty where the Lord is your Lord and not just your Savior. So run to the Lord. Run to the Lord right now. Run to the Lord. Seek Him where He is near. Call Him Lord. And mean it. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Jesus! <laughs> Jesus! for playing games forgive us Lord forgive us Lord forgive us for being ashamed of you and the reason we are ashamed because you're not our Lord because it says when we confess Jesus when we believe in our heart we will confess it with our mouth when we believe that he's our Lord We will confess Him with our mouth. Oh, Father, forgive us, forgive us, forgive us. Forgive us, Lord. Put a burning desire in our hearts tonight, Lord, to hate evil with passion, so you can anoint us with the oil of joy, Lord. The joy, the joy that sets people free, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. For the spirit of the Lord, the spirit of the Lord is upon you. To set the company free to proclaim liberty!
0: international, listening to our message today to you. Perhaps you have a friend, perhaps yourself are sitting there and wondering, where would I go if I died today? We'd like to give you a great privilege of praying with us and leading you to a knowledge of Jesus the Messiah. The Bible says if any man or woman would call upon the name of Jesus, they would be saved. The Greek word for saved is healed, delivered. It's a wonderful promise. You're there now in your automobile, perhaps at home listening. Go ahead and pray this prayer with me. Say, Dear Father, I ask you in the name of Jesus to forgive me of my sins. The Bible says, if anybody would call upon your name, they would be saved. I'm calling today, Lord. Save me. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Take all of my sins and cast them into the sea of forgetfulness. Father, I'm coming, running home to you now. In your name I pray. Amen.
1: If you'd like to contact us in our ministry, you may do so by writing us at Rivers in the Desert, P.O. Box 2788 in Alpharetta, Georgia, 30023 in the United States of America. Our ministry phone number is 770 777